Welcome to Get Up in the Cool, old-time music with Cameron DeWitt and friends. This week's friend is Evie Layden with special guest Keith Terry. We recorded this at the Kauai Old Time Gathering back in November. Big thanks again to Fanny and Jim for having me out here. Amazing festival. Get Up in the Cool is listener-supported, and if you contribute to the show via Patreon, you get cool rewards, like a full video version of this episode as well as many others, and access to the bonus track podcast, which this week includes two bonus tracks, one of which is a banjo cover of a certain 90s R&B song that you absolutely need to hear. Just go to patreon.com slash getupinthecool or follow the links in this episode's show notes on your podcast app and choose a support and reward level that you can sustain. Thanks to everyone who supports the show. I literally can't do it without you. Stick around afterwards and I'll tell you how to keep up with this week's guest. But first, here's my interview and jam with Evie Layden. Enjoy.
got to remember to open my eyes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah me too. <laughs> Evie Layden, welcome to Get Up in the Cool. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for being here, taking time out of your festival schedule, where you could be just enjoying Hawaii. I could be. Yeah. But, what but instead way? you're at work with me. <laughs> what better way to enjoy Hawaii than yeah. with a banjo in your hands? Yeah, I feel the same way. I've been trying to get you on the show for a while now. Like three years. Like three years, basically <laughs> since it started. Yeah, no big deal. I've been following you around the country. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I'm glad, uh, I'm glad it's happening now. I'm glad we waited. <laughs> <laughs> me too. We're so much better now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, so I have so many questions. Uh-oh. So many questions. Not enough time for all of them. I'll start with the standard one. You were raised with traditional music, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But you were also raised on, like, horse flies and, like, progressive traditional music as well, right? Well, that was the scene. That was, that was the scene. That's what was going on. When I was a teenager, people were messing with old-time music in some really cool ways. And, uh... I thought, yeah, let's where, do it. <laughs> where, where, where was this? Well, I mean, my my long family story that I tell is uh, both my parents were born and raised in the Bronx, first generation, and um, my dad went to a hootenanny at Carnegie Hall in 1958, and he went home and famously took all of his original rock and roll records and threw them out. Wow. I know. I Why? love that story. <laughs> That's great. And uh, he just, he fell in love with folk music, specifically Southern Appalachian folk music, and just became really involved. He was never willing to be bad enough at an instrument to get good, so he just knows everything about old time music without ever playing. And, um, but he dances. And uh, my mom was an international folk dance teacher, so she was a dance leader. Yeah. And I remember standing behind her at a workshop with the Bannerman family from North Carolina, clogging. And my, I was about five, and my sister and I just sucked up all of that clogging information. And um, around when I was uh, about eight. So my dad was so much in love with folk music that he just opened our house to everyone traveling through. It was the first, you know, it was the first folk scare. It was all these southern musicians were traveling through to the north. And oh, we sorry, were... the folk scare? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I've heard the, that term yet. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Could you, why did people call it that? Well... <laughs> I don't know, it was like the proliferation of folk music again, yeah. you know, and Southern Appalachian folk music, not just Southern Appalachian, but especially like, you know, the whole Mighty Wind scene. Sure. That now Absolutely. I can reference that. Yeah. But um, in any case, so, I mean, folk music became hugely popular, but there was sort of that branch, you know, the Kingston Trio and all of that. Yeah. But then there was the Southern Appalachian stuff that was, you know, like the real hooky pooky, and it was just the first time that Northern audiences were really hearing Southern music. And that, that mix of white, black, and brown that came from the American South. Yes. It's a good mix. It's amazing. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and um, yeah. so there were always people staying in our house, whether we liked it or not. Oh. And now we inflict that on our family as well. Yeah. And um, uh, actually, John Cohen of the New Lost City Ramblers, who just recently passed, yeah. he was staying with us. And he said, you girls should play the banjo. And I didn't know this at the uh, time. My dad just told me this like a couple weeks ago that he took us out to go get a banjo when I was about eight years old. And then I had banjo lessons. My sister and I had a banjo lessons every Thursday night with a young man living nearby with his parents by the name of Bob Carlin. Oh my goodness. Know. Yeah. So he was, uh, this was all in New Jersey at the time. 
And um, yeah, we grew up playing and singing Carter family songs together. And my dad would drive us down to uh, North Carolina to go to a party. And also a couple of weeks ago, he said to me, yeah, I only fell asleep twice with you girls in the car. <laughs> Glad he never told me that before. Yeah. <laughs> so I just, music and dance was just a part of social communication. And I thought that's what life was like, which it is for traditional cultures all around the world. Yeah. Yeah. So it was just sort of a given. You didn't, it was just what we did yeah. for, you know, any time there was an opportunity. And my dad actually said that he didn't go as far in his career as he could have because he was would rather uh, go hear music and support music and go dancing and have that be in his life. See, I think that's also very ambitious. Yeah. That's a good, the real good ambition. Yeah. Yeah. It was pretty great. Yeah. Wow. He sounds cool as hell. I want to I meet him. I'm sure you will. He'll be yeah. singing along with all the songs loudly in his Bronx accent. You'll hear him at your Amazing. local festival. <laughs> Should we play this uh, Jenny Get Around? Sure. Yeah. We're playing a lot of crooked tunes. Yes. Profoundly crooked. Profoundly crooked. Yeah. And then we're like winging it with each other, which is really fun. But then we got to yeah. keep on track here. Yeah. So there's no fiddle player to keep us on track. Yeah. Woohoo! Woohoo! <laughs> Finally. <laughs> so Jenny Get Around is from uh, John Sawyer from Kentucky. He has a lot of really great crooked tunes in his repertoire. I love his repertoire. <clears throat> and I'm almost in tune. For our live listeners, if you subscribe to the podcast, all of the tuning will be edited out for you. Aww. Yeah. <laughs> if that, yeah. <laughs> I guess I could give you the raw files if you really want to hear clang, clang, clang. I really clang. want to listen to that tuning part again. <sighs> best part. <laughs> it's a little different than orchestra tuning, isn't it? <laughs> you good? I'm good.
I can't believe we ended at the same time. <laughs> it's a miracle. <laughs> it's I'm amazing. not gonna touch that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. So on on Friday, when you were doing your set, you were you were talking about being at the salt pond, and then you said, and and we, meaning you and Keith, who we were about to introduce, we were doing what we love to do the best. <laughs> then you started playing, and I was like, and, and that is swimming. <laughs> swimming. <laughs> to our podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Where's Keith? Keith. <laughs> so I met Keith on the dance floor and uh, he comes from a very different musical background. Not at all uh, connected to this world. And he was, uh, <laughs> he was raised as a jazz drummer and started playing bass out of self-defense in the old time world. And uh, he always says he's not really a bass player. I said, let's call it tonal percussion. Yeah. That's what Coco was talking about, about the bass being the drummer in the band. So uh, you met on, where, where was this dance floor? Ohio. Ohio. And uh, what kind of dancing were you doing? Body music. Very good. This is like a group of people all doing body music together. It's actually two groups of people. Uh, Rhythm and Shoes of course. was a company that Evie was in at the time, based in Dayton, Ohio. Yeah. And they had commissioned me to create some music with my group, Frost Pulse, out yeah. of Oakland, California. And so it was a big collaboration that lasted for about a year, I think, in development yeah. and, uh, and touring it. And so it was through that project that we met. Yeah. By the end of the project, I was on the other side. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're like... Huh, she was huh. In the, she okay, was, okay, Keith. I guess I'm moving to California. She was in the other group. Yeah. <laughs> Y'all seen Keith dance. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's relatable, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, what are we, yeah, we going to play next? Uh, we're going to play Lonesome John. And, uh, you know, this is an old tune. Um, in fact, I sourced a lot of the uh, verses from a variety of different places. And, I don't, you know, you probably know... Um, in old time music, I always say, like, the lyrics come from the old time dictionary. It's got 300 words in it. <laughs> Just rearrange them for every song. And um, what I like to do is collect, uh, collect material from different sources, and then I kind of rearrange them so it actually told a story and wasn't just a, a random thing. But um, Not an easy task with the floating verses yeah, <laughs> to make exactly. them coherent. Okay, everything's still running. Dress that you got on. Got my shoes from railroad man and my dress from Lonesome John. Where were you when the train left town? Where were you last Sunday? I was out with Lonesome John and I didn't get back till Monday.
Yes. <laughs> so, you're not uh, only a traditional music musician in the in the in the strict sense. You're also a songwriter, which is mm-hmm. part of traditional music as well. Mm-hmm. Um, when did you start writing songs? You know, I actually started writing songs in middle school on the bus stop, pacing up and down. But I didn't really admit it for a long, long time. Because growing up in traditional music, I just didn't think that my own voice was a part of that. Huh. And uh, anyway, I've really gotten over that. Yeah, good. (laughs) (laughs) And sometimes it's hard to... We really fall between the cracks genre-wise. Because even though in the bluegrass tradition... People have been innovating and innovating and innovating, and now they're doing all the 80s pop songs and everything else in bluegrass. But in the old-time world, a lot of people really like the tradition, and that's what they want to hear is the tradition. And uh, I grew up in all of that, and I love all of that, but I really, um, I just, I feel like, like you mentioned the horse flies earlier. Yes. And, the Chicken Chokers, and there were these bands in, you know, in the 80s that were really deep in old-time music, but pushing the boundaries in all kinds of ways that I just thought was super cool. And then the other part of it is just really getting um, involved with the African roots of Appalachian music and the, just the diaspora elements that are in it and exploring that. Yeah. And so just like rhythmically and in terms of repertoire and all of that, just feeling like so much of this is a part of it and we keep coming back to Clawhammer Banjo and the grounding of that. But I'm also really, um, I really like words. I, I really like lyrics and telling a good story. And so like I said, with the traditional stuff, sometimes rearranging it so that it actually tells a good story. There are a lot of good stories out there. Um, but so, you know, it just, I don't know, it's just music. It's just music. <laughs> it's, just, it's either good or it's not. <laughs> All you old-time curmudgeons out there, just calm down. It's just music. <laughs> I mean, I find people like it, and they feel like it's so connected and grounded in the tradition, with what we do with the whole realm, of, you know, the range of what we do. So, I first heard you. Um, I first first heard you play at Clifftop a few years ago mm-hmm. when, when we were competing, we were against, competing. against each other. We won. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, and rightfully so. It was, oh, it was amazing. You guys were amazing. And we, it was specifically, it was in the neo-traditional band contest. So the whole thing is how well can you hold together the tradition and, and have progress with the music as well. So, and yeah. I, I thought that, you did it beautifully. Thank you. Yeah. You know, you in too, the, Keith. Thank you. <laughs> and our, Mark. <laughs> in our new music, we tend to, like what I've noticed, one of my habits is that, like in an instrumental section, I tend to do mashups a lot. So not medleys, but like where I'm writing a song, but in the instrumental section is an old time tune. Um, and just kind of bringing them together. Yeah. And I, I seem to do that a lot. Check the bonus tracks for yeah. <laughs> a hint at that. Great. So we're gonna have you two do one uh, as a duo. Okay. All right. And I'm uh, I'm just I'm just gonna go sit in the audience and watch, oh, wow. and then I'll come back up. I just want I want a moment where I can just yeah listen. Do I have a minute right. to tell a story about the song? Please do. So um, I had a banjo student years ago who drove quite a distance to come and take lessons with me, and he showed up carrying two banjos, and I was like, oh, all right, and he he. Uh, I went to close the door and he said, hang on a minute. And he brought in two more banjos. 
This is not normal. No. And, <laughs> and I went to close figure. the door again. He brought in two no. more banjos. <laughs> so he took out these six banjos and unpacked them all over the room and started telling me all about them and all this kind of stuff. And, um, and finally, after about 45 minutes of this, I said, so do you want to play? And he admitted that he was an avid banjo collector. And his wife said, you may not buy another banjo until you learn how to play. <laughs> Sounds like there's some uh, recognition in the audience. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Anyway, so I kid you not, every time he came for a lesson, he brought six different banjos. And we went through the whole thing all over again. And uh, I'll cut to the chase here. But basically, as I got to know him, I, I learned that he had been really sick. Mm. And he credits his love with all things banjo to giving him another five years on the planet. So I teach online. Cameron teaches online. It's true. You want to extend your life? <laughs> you want to shorten the lifespan of those around you? <laughs> Banjo's your ticket. Anyway, so... Um, the first time I recorded this song that we're going to play, um, it was because... He, he, his health started heading south and he bought himself an RV, lived in California, he bought an RV and he loaded up his whole collection and he traveled all around the country giving it away mm. to people that inspired him or whose mentors had made the instruments that he had gotten off of eBay or whatever. And his son-in-law said, I want to make a, a CD of, remember what CDs are? No. <laughs> um, <laughs> he said, I want to make a record of music played on these instruments by the people that he gave them to. So it was the first time I recorded this next song and I recorded it on one of the instruments he gave me. And um, the song is called Precious Days. And I uh, finished uh, recording the song and I emailed his wife and said, what should we do with it? And she said, um, well, he passed away yesterday. And uh, so they invited me to sing the song at his memorial. And I originally wrote this song with my mother in mind. And then uh, a few months after that, I sang the song at my mother's memorial. So Precious Days, I know many of you, you know, when you're young, the days seem really long and the weeks seem longer. Endless, in fact. And I know many of you know that the older you get, boy, the faster it goes. And I always take this moment, if we tell this story in a concert, to thank everybody for spending some of their precious days in the company of real human beings and live music and doing it. So we thank you for that. Well, I am not home, but I shall not wander. I'll wait to see what my time on earth will bring. I was sent to Rome, and I will not squander these precious days God's given me. I'm gonna dig deep in the dirt of
part of the show where I'm supposed to ask you all the like pragmatic like where do we follow you and stuff I'm all like emotional yes <sighs> I love making people cry yeah <laughs> in a good way okay let me I'll, t I'll take a moment to tune and then I'll ask you the questions collect myself so where do we go to get more music from you recorded and taught and live etc Oh, uh, my website is evieladen.com, and I'm the only Evie Laden on the internet. Very good. So you can spell it however you want, and the internet will direct you to me. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we also have a Facebook page and Instagram, uh, Bandcamp, and then all the streaming platforms. And on the streaming platforms, uh, we're both Evie Laden, because I have some projects of my own, and Evie Laden Band, and because how they work, you can't combine them and be one person with many things. You have to be uh, individualized like that. And um, so following and downloading and all that kind of stuff is a way you can engage with us online. Uh, you can also find us live and in person in a lot of places. Uh, we travel a lot. We're on tour quite a bit. We live in the San Francisco Bay Area. Wonderful. And also, Keith, um, his uh, nonprofit organization is called Cross Pulse cross pulse and uh it's been an, an incredible uh way for like all of the the ap the african diaspora influence in the appalachian music that really drew out a lot of music from me 
I really connect that with Keith because in Cross Pulse, that's what he does is connect cultures through the foundation of rhythm. That's beautiful. Thanks for all the work you both do. Oh, yeah. Same to you. Yeah, and thanks for being on the show. This yeah. is so it's great. Pleasure. <laughs> I'm having a great time. <laughs> it's a treat. And that's what, why we do this. <laughs> what's this last one we're going to do? So this, uh, this tune is called I Love My Honey, and it comes from uh, the playing of Sanford Kelly, who's an old fiddle player, uh, who was just strumming on his fiddle and singing this song. Portland Old Time Music Gathering teaching banjo and clogging and at the Ole Old Time Festival performing, teaching, and calling. She's doing a number of West Coast dates and will soon announce a spring UK tour. Last year her band released two CDs, one with trad fiddle and banjo duets and one with adventurous originals. And they've got a new EP of special covers coming out in March. All her albums are available for purchase on her website, evieladen.com, and streaming on all the platforms. 
Her body music group, Motor Slash Dance, is working on a new work in 2020. She's got a Peghead Nation Clawhammer banjo course available, so banjo players should check that out. You can also find out more about Keith's intercultural music and dance nonprofit, CrossPulse, at CrossPulse.com. Everything I just mentioned is linked in this episode's show notes on your podcast app, and there are social media links as well, so you can stay up to date. Don't forget to sign up for Get Up in the Cool's Patreon so you can get exclusive bonus content like a full video version of this episode and two very special bonus tracks. Just visit patreon.com slash getupinthecool. That's all for now, friends. Thanks for listening. Come back same time next week to Get Up in the Cool.